You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and grab those and turn with me to Acts. We'll be in chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Acts chapter 8 starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem all the way to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, said the man, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descent? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And so he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. This morning... We're gonna study this text a little bit, and I want us to notice that in this genuine search that we just read about in our text, that a genuine search for God led to an encounter with Jesus. And a real encounter with Jesus in this text went on to lead this Ethiopian eunuch to being a witness for Jesus in the world. But before we get to studying our text for today, I want to tell you a little story. Dawn's search for God started out of a place of need. He grew up in a, ho- in a good home. It was loving. Dawn's mother was kind and his father provided. Maybe his family was a lot like yours. They weren't particularly religious, but they would go to church some at Christmas and Easter. They believed in God and they were good people. Don had an older brother, Jerry, who, like most teenage boys, found 
ways that he could be slightly rebellious. And this became a significant source of tension in the home. And as Don entered junior high school, he began to be concerned that as the tension in his home grew, his parents might get a divorce. If Jerry was every bit rebellious that he could be, Don was every bit of good that he could be. He describes himself as the perfectly codependent child. He would try to keep peace in his home. He would make dinner and have it on the table before his parents got home. He kept their yard as pristine as a golf course. He tried to be the perfect son. But eventually, he began to realize that even his efforts, as good as they were, might not be enough. And so Don turned to the only thing that he knew left to do. He started to pray. And because his family wasn't particularly religious, he started to pray the only prayer that he knew, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And eventually, as the weeks and months and years went by, that prayer whittled down from the entire Lord's Prayer just to one line. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. As Don entered high school, his search for God continued. And even though his parents weren't regular attenders of church, Don and his cousins started to attend a local church down the street. And eventually he decided he was supposed to be a preacher. And through a series of pretty strange events, <coughs> God, <coughs> Don made his way to where every good preacher starts his journey, then Asbury College. Asbury at that time was in quarter systems, not semesters. So he showed up on campus right before winter quarter. And on New Year's Eve, there was a service right here in Hughes Auditorium. It was called a watch night service, and the point was to pray in the new year. Pray in the new year rather than party in the new year. This is typical Asbury. Don was sitting in Hughes Auditorium for the first time when he says he heard the audible voice of God speak to him. He said it's happened twice in his life, and this was one of those moments. He heard Jesus say, I am here and I'm alive. This is an important part in the story because a few months earlier, Don had, in preparation for be becoming a preacher, he had gotten himself a Bible, and he had started to read it. But no matter how many times he would pick up his Bible, he just couldn't get into it. The words were confusing. The stories held no appeal. The teaching was difficult to understand. But after this night, after this encounter with Jesus, his Bible reading became totally different. It was like he was reading stories about his new friend. And Jesus became as alive and real to him as his buddy down the hallway. Don had met Jesus and everything was beginning to change. He started to realize that being a Christian wasn't about getting all of our behavior perfect so that we might please God, but it was actually about being known and knowing God, and that only Jesus can make that introduction for us. 
Don's search for God had led him to the Savior, Jesus. Our text for today tells the story of another man's search for God. We don't know if the Ethiopian eunuch's search began out of a place of need or desperation, or if he just realized that something was missing in his life. You see, this Ethiopian eunuch had a lot of power and prestige and money that was available to him in his own context, but he still wanted for something more. He realized something was missing in his life. And so this had taken him on a journey to worship the Jewish God, Yahweh, in his temple in Jerusalem. Now let me back up and remind you of where we're at in our entire encounter series. So if you remember, we have gotten today to chapter 8 in Acts. And Philip, one of the disciples of Jesus, has been preaching the good news in Samaria, and huge crowds of people are coming to know Jesus. Peter and John hear about the good work that's happening in Samaria, so they say, we want in on that, and they show up and start baptizing people in the name of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. Good things are happening. And if you remember that first verse in Acts 1-8 that frames out the entire activity of Acts for this entire chapel series that we're going through, Acts 1-8, you remember that Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And up until this point, until Acts chapter 8, we can check off the first three boxes. The gospel is spreading in Jerusalem, check. In Judea, check. And now in chapter 8, in Samaria, check. And this is where we get to today's text, and to the ends of the earth. In verse 26, we read, Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, to the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. The Spirit of God plucks Philip right up out of important and effective ministry in Samaria to go to the middle of nowhere. He doesn't even send him to a town on the map. He sends him to a road. He says, go to a road and wait there. The Spirit of God sends Philip from the crowds in Samaria to encounter one man on a desert road. The text describes this Ethiopian eunuch as the queen's treasurer. Think of him as like the CFO of his entire kingdom. And it's important to note that Ethiopia, this term would have referred to a region. It would have referred to the entire region of Africa south of Egypt. So not specifically what we know of today as the country of Ethiopia, but entire region of Africa. And he was a very important and high-ranking official in his context. He was what we would call a God-fearer, which meant he was not ethnically Jewish, but he had converted to Judaism, and he worshipped the Jewish God, Yahweh. The text says in verse 27 that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was reading a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. This tells us a couple of things about this guy. First of all, he had to have been wealthy. He was traveling in a chariot. He had servants with him. He owned a scroll, which in that day and time would have been incredibly expensive. 
He also was well-educated. He was reading. He was a searcher. He um, was reading in a language not his own. And he was, a genuine, he was genuinely searching for something. He had invested a significant amount of time and energy into this trip to Jerusalem. It would have probably taken him half of a year to travel from his home to Jerusalem and back. And beyond all of that, undoubtedly, he probably faced opposition in his home country for choosing the Jewish religion over the local religious beliefs of his own people. But something, something had compelled this man to pursue God, and it had led him to this moment. On a road in the middle of the desert, the Spirit had brought Philip to meet him, Philip the evangelist. Provenient grace is a term that we use, you might have, you might have heard it before, that describes the reality that God's grace goes before us, that it's working in our life before we even begin to realize it. Before we begin to ever search for God, God is searching for us. This is important. Provenient grace is important because of two realities. First, human beings are made in the image of God. No other part of creation is said to be made in the image of God. God takes humanity and he stamps his image on you and me. And because of that, we are of inestimable worth to him. The second thing, the second reality is that because of Adam and Eve and the fall, there's original sin. And so while we're made in the image of God, we're also born in sin. And sin is corrupting. And while it's very powerful, it is not powerful enough to wipe out the image of God on humans. But it does corrupt that image. So think of it kind of like a mirror. God looks at you and me, and he sees his image stamped on us, but it's through a broken mirror. And salvation, one way to think about it, might be that it's simply the restoration of the image of God in us through the grace of God poured out on us. And since every part of humanity is corrupted by sin, moral, physical, spiritual, and intellectual, we can't even know that we need God unless he first wakes us up to that reality. Think about it. You don't know you're asleep when you're sleeping. Only when you begin to wake up do you realize that you were asleep. When I was in high school, we took health in one of those portables outside of the high school. It was um, so every time somebody moved, the entire building would shake. And one afternoon, um, Coach White was lecturing and he noticed that a guy in the back had fallen asleep. And so, because he was a good educator, he decided to play a joke on this poor kid. And he said, when I say, when I count to three, I'm gonna scream fire. And I want everyone else in the room to scream at the top of their lungs and run out of this portable. So, one, two, three, fire! And we all jump up and run out of the portable. And this poor guy, jumps up, totally, totally bewildered, runs out of the portable. He had been asleep, but he didn't know it until he'd woken up. If this morning you know that you're not quite right with God, if you feel that you're not quite complete, if you have desires that have not been met, that's God's grace at work in your life, drawing you to himself. That is his first step, waking you up to your need for him. 
The Ethiopian eunuch was searching, but he was searching for something more. In verse 30, we read, Philip ran up to his chariot and he heard the Ethiopian reading from the prophet Isaiah. And here, this man's search for God had brought him, probably a month's, years-long search for God, had brought him to the middle of the desert. And the Spirit of God had brought the evangelist Philip to meet him. Philip hears him reading the scriptures and he asks, do you know what you're reading? The man is searching and Philip asks, do you know what you're looking for? He responds, well, how can I know unless someone guides me? How can I know what these scriptures mean unless someone helps me? So Philip starts with that very scripture that he's reading in Isaiah, and he explains that it's actually a prophecy. It's a prophecy about Jesus, that it's evidence that Jesus is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, the suffering servant, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. A genuine pursuit of God will lead to an encounter with the person of Jesus. So thus far in the story, we've seen the provenient grace of God at work in several ways. First of all, we see that this eunuch is awakened to spiritual things. He's asking spiritual questions and searching for something more. Second, we see that God sends Philip to a divine appointment in the desert with this man. I know that God did that particular part for dramatic effect. Because think about it. If this man had just been in Jerusalem, the first seven chapters of Acts were reading about the fact that the gospel is, is spreading like wildfire in Jerusalem. At Pentecost, we read that 3,000 people came to Jesus. When Peter and John healed the lame man in chapter 3, another 5,000 people came to Jesus. This man had just been in Jerusalem. He very likely could have heard Peter and John preaching. And maybe he did. Maybe he did hear Peter and John preaching in Jerusalem. But look what God did for him. He demonstrated that he didn't just love the whole world, but God demonstrated that he loved him in particular. He sent his very own evangelist to meet him on the road. He was important to God. How can I know unless someone explains it to me? He said, the eunuch had the word of God in front of him, but it didn't hold much meaning for him. That is until Philip introduced him to Jesus, the key to unlocking all of the scriptures. Then we read that the eunuch asked if he can participate in the family of God. In verse 36, it says, they came across some water and the eunuch asked, what is to prevent me from being baptized? You see, this man was, he was of great political importance in his own context. His status, though, as a eunuch and a foreigner would have, would have meant that he wouldn't have been able to fully participate in the Jewish festivals and the rituals of the temple in Jerusalem where he had just been. There were aspects of the Jewish religion that were not available to him. But in Jesus, we're baptized, and that baptism becomes a symbol that we are children of God. We are baptized into the family of God, and through Jesus, we have full acceptance in him. There is nothing that is available in God that is not available to us 
and our status as children of God. Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we're children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs of God, then we are also co-heirs with Christ. And if we share in Christ's sufferings, then we will also share in his glory. I think this is a particularly important part of the story because the Ethiopian eunuch is asking, is there a reason I can't be baptized into the family of God? He, like all of us, lived in a world where he experienced significant privilege that opened doors for him and afforded him great power and respect in his home country. But he also lived in a world where he experienced great prejudice that closed doors to him and limited his participation. In Jesus, though, there is nothing in our makeup that needs to keep us from full participation in the family of God. The invitation throughout the entire book of Acts and really the entire scriptures is to believe, to repent, and to be baptized. Acts 2.38, the people ask Peter, what should we do to be a part of this family of God? And Peter responds to them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus so that your sins might be forgiven and that you might receive the Holy Spirit. After his baptism in verse 39, we read that when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. So what strikes me most about this really crazy encounter on the desert road, it isn't the fact that an angel, did you guys catch that at the beginning of the story? An angel came to Philip and told him to go to a desert. And it's not even the teleportation that happened at the end. Did you catch that? The Spirit of God snatched Philip away. All of a sudden, he disappeared. Really, the most incredible thing about this entire story for me is that God called Philip from the multitudes of faith coming to Jesus in Samaria. There were crowds of people who were coming to Jesus. And God called him to go to one man. This is, imp- this is a really important part of the entire book of Acts because this is the beginning of the fulfillment of that last aspect of the gospel to the ends of the earth. For a first century person in the ancient Near East where the Bible was written, Ethiopia would have represented the ends of the earth. They would not have even been able to fathom that there was more to the earth beyond the southern kingdoms of Ethiopia. It's reasonable to believe that this Ethiopian, having come to know Jesus on this road on the way home, that he went home and began to tell his community, the people in his home country, about Jesus. I mean, he could have stayed quiet about it, but that doesn't really um, keep with the rest of the story. That doesn't That's incongruent with the behavior of the rest of the disciples of Jesus in Acts. And Christian tradition holds that this moment, this is the means through which Christianity first entered and was established in Africa. Christianity in Africa was well established and well documented by the second century. That's very early. And the Coptic church, which is mostly in Egypt, but also in parts of Sudan, 
It's one of the oldest Christian communities in the world. It's important to remember that as we read this text, it's important to remember that when you get the opportunity to share Jesus with someone, like Philip did, you yourself are not the Savior. You are simply joining the Savior in the work that he is already doing. God has been waking people up to his mercy and his grace around the world for centuries. And he's been sending his followers to meet folks on the road and offer them Jesus. A few weeks after Don's encounter with Jesus, right here in this auditorium, his older brother Jerry's plane went down over Vietnam and he died. And Don says that in God's mercy and his grace, he, in his perfect timing, he had met Jesus and he was able and ready to walk through that tragedy in his life and with his parents. He did eventually become a preacher, just in case you were wondering. And he and his family served in the South Georgia Conference for over 40 years, telling people about Jesus and making disciples. Don's story is important to me because Don is my uncle. It's my uncle, Don. His wife is my mom's sister, and I am really proud of them. My uncle Don has a truly special anointing. He's one of the best preachers that I know, and because of his life of obedience, thousands of people in South Georgia have been impacted for Jesus, including me, and I'm very grateful for that. I want you to know that God didn't wake up my Uncle Don to his need for him and start him on a journey that eventually led him to an encounter with Jesus here in Hughes Auditorium because God just wanted to use him to be a good preacher. And God didn't send Philip to meet the Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of the desert because he was God's most effective and efficient way to get the gospel into Africa. Now, I don't think God pursued either one of these men because he simply wanted to use them. We're not just pawns in God's scheme. God pursued each of them because he loved them. God woke them up to their need out of his love for them. And he loves each of us in that same way. He wants to wake each of us up. Not because he simply wants to use us, even though that's a great part of the story, but because he loves each of us because he loves you. This morning, as Dr. Shell comes up and we sing our final song together, I think it might be a good idea for us to take a little bit of time to think about our own stories. When you look back on your life, where do you see God's provenient grace in your story? How has God woken you up to your need for him? Has there been a Philip in your life who has offered Jesus to you on your journey? Or maybe God is calling you to be a Philip to someone else in their journey. Let's think about that as we close.